0: Well, welcome to our Christians and Mental Health podcast. My name is Rachel, and this is...
1: Uh, I am Rachel's son, Will. We are here to discuss Christians and mental health and give it to you from a multi-generational perspective.
0: So I am 54 years old, and Will is 27. So we're going to have a little bit um, two different age groups and pretty two very different age group takes on mental health. Um, I have been a clinical psychologist for about the past 22 years, and I've seen about 10 or 12,000 clients. So I'm coming to you to just share some information, some thoughts um, that I've learned over those 22 years, especially at a time when people really seem to be struggling, uh, especially post-COVID with mental health and mental health issues. So we will have a different topic every week. These will just be about 15-minute segments. And we want to invite you, if you're listening and you have any specific questions or topics you'd like us to cover, to just send those to will at providencehhi.org.
1: Yes, uh, that will be in our description if you would like to email us, or if you can't remember the email.
0: All right. So we're going to just kick off, jump in right today. And the first topic I want to bring up is what I call choosing a worldview. Now, without doubt, everyone who comes into my office, especially anybody over the age of 18, is really underneath struggling with one question, and that is, what do I believe this life is about? Because whatever you believe human life is about, that's how you handle marital troubles, that's how you handle parenting, that's how you. That's what you get anxious about and how you deal with it. And so um, that is the first question when we look at the issues of mental health that everybody kind of needs to decide in their own life. So, well, often I teach parenting classes, and I have what I call the 25 rule, which is every parent, while they're raising their kids, should have one kind of North Star goal that they have for their kids when they turn 25. Like, if my child could only be one thing when they're 25, you know, successful, rich, whatever... um, and there's, a, there's an answer that 90% of the parents immediately give of what they hope their kids will be when they're 25. What would you guess it is? Uh,
1: well, this is sort of cheating because we had this discussion a few days ago, but my original guess was successful.
0: Yeah, so successful absolutely could be an answer. Um, now, of course, the answer that I hear 90% of the time is happy that at 25, they hope their children can be happy. So that's really a very popular Western world worldview, right? That happiness is our number one goal. So you think of in the the Bill of Rights, right? The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Some other like kind of worldviews are that the number one goal of life is the accumulation of wealth, Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's fame. Sometimes it's kind of personal physical gratification. Happiness is probably the biggest one. Um, And then for Christians, there is the question of what about a biblical life? So, as you just kind of listen to this podcast, it's a great thing to think about in your own life. And if you're raising children or grandchildren, is what is your worldview? How do you measure what this life is all about? So, will in your age group, you know, I really see a big break with four, people forty and under that their worldview really starts to change quite a bit. Um, and so, what do you think are th- a few things that people in your age group, what they think their lives are really about?
1: Well, I uh, definitely think, and maybe this is just from a outsider's perspective, that people around my age tend to be more focused on happiness than anyone else in any other age bracket and that could be generational it could happen you know it happened maybe it happened to the boomers the millennials now gen z or wherever we are um i definitely think there is some uh sadness that a lot of them seem to think they can't move up in the world or find places to live or buy houses but yes i do think in general it is this distinctly long search for happiness
0: absolutely i think two things that really mark people under the age of 40 i mean everyone's i think looks for happiness but is definitely uh, that personal happiness and a feeling of happiness is a measure of success in their life and i also think people under 40 much more would like to be famous um that is definitely what research shows that especially kids under 25 if you ask them if you could be one thing in your life most of them say famous like whether that's a youtube influencer or you know somebody an influencer if you don't know what that is that someone who's online that um Kind of gets followers to buy their makeup or do their lifestyle choices
1: and and that's certainly one thing So I remember being in like late middle early high school and I posted videos to YouTube and this was 2009 and that was kind of a different thing like you were really only doing that if you were doing these higher quality things And now every kid in every class has a YouTube channel where they're probably posting something
0: Absolutely
1: waiting for the algorithm to pick them up or whatever
0: Now, here, as we look at mental health from a Christian viewpoint, and we look at this very fundamental question of what do I think this life is about and how do I measure my life? That's a worldview. Um, You know, the Bible is pretty clear that our life is not about happiness and that happiness is pretty fleeting. So as I say in my office all the time, the first donut makes you happy. By the fourth donut, you're bored. Um, Actually, research of all kinds shows this. There's a great research study that um, they looked at people who rated themselves high in personal happiness or high in meaning and purpose. And the people who rated themselves high in personal happiness rated themselves low in meaning. And the people who rated themselves high in meaning and purpose rated themselves low in personal happiness. There was only about a 15% overlap of those two things. And what the researchers found was that the people who rated themselves high in daily happiness were what the researchers called takers. They took from life what they liked. So if running marathons made them happy, they did that until they weren't happy anymore and they moved on to the next thing. Whereas the people who live for meaning and purpose, they dedicated themselves long term to something that really mattered to them. So like raising children or living out a religious belief. And so they worried more and cared more about what went on beyond their own arena.
1: It's interesting you say that because this whole talk, um, I'm going to get into just very really quick movie comparison here of the Will Smith and I know he's a slightly controversial figure at the moment movie The Pursuit of Happiness Yes, where it's just a slog through the whole movie for this one moment of kapow at the end but the whole time he's trying to do the right thing for his son and have a good life I think it was 2014 a movie came out called Hector and the Search for Happiness which stars Simon Pegg which is about a dude like globetrotting trying to find happiness it, it's really not good he gets kidnapped by terrorists at the end and he <laughs> realizes the happiness was in the little things in his life and I always thought that was such a not satisfying ending.
0: You know, The Pursuit of Happiness is a great example because that movie is quite sad and upsetting the entire time. And then after whatever, two hours or an hour and a half, there's really about one minute of happiness.
1: Absolutely. And the
0: message in that movie is that living right, happiness is a byproduct of that, right? That if we look for pure happiness, it gets very difficult because it's so changeable. Um, And so I look at you know, really foundational in the scriptures is the story of Joshua taking the people of Israel into the promised land. And as they're entering the promised land after 40 years in the desert, I mean, 400 years of slavery, then 40 years of wandering in the desert, nobody who started out got to go in the promised land because they were whiny and complaining. And Joshua says, hey, listen, as we enter the promised land, choose this day who you will serve. Is it going to be the, you know, the idols across the river and the gods who, you know, these other people serve, or will it be the one God who's brought you through the desert? And Joshua famously says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I think as Christians, when we look at the issue of mental health, Things like prosperity or happy, you know, a feeling of happiness or even physical gratification or fame or power, those things might come as a byproduct or like blessings in your life if you live the Christian walk. But the worldview that God's really asking us to look for for good mental health is to look at scripture and say, what does it mean to live for God in this world? so even if you get those byproducts like you know prosperity you're going to use them in a certain way and i think what christians have to be ready for is this idea is very countercultural because there's no sense there's no promise that it's going to be happy or easy i mean you know certainly if we look at any story in the bible but i think of the story of jesus that he was doing God's central will, that did not make his life easy or necessarily happy, but it made it meaningful. And obviously it has had a ripple effect throughout the last 2000 years of history. But even other stories like the story of Queen Esther, right a woman of great beauty and eventually great power. And instead of just soaking that in and saying, aren't I fortunate that I have all these good things, she used it for the good of her people. And so um, as we just kind of open up this mental health, Christians in Mental Health, whether you are raising children or looking to find someone to marry or running a church or running a business or just living your daily life, the first question in good mental health is to ask, what truly is my worldview? If I could only reach one goal in my life, what would that be? And how do I use that goal to measure how I'm doing? Because often when we measure how we our lives by how we feel, how we feel is so changeable. Our feelings, our emotions come from like almost the most primitive part of our brain, like the second or third most primitive part of our brain. So we can be happy in the morning and angry in the afternoon. And if we do things based on how we feel, like I'm happy, therefore I do this. I'm angry, therefore I do this. I'm lustful, therefore I do this. That does not lead to a stable or emotionally, mentally healthy life. And so, as everyone in my little family knows, if Will, who's helping me here, acted out how he felt when he was hungry, <laughs> all, right, all right, we would all, we've all seen it. We would all be in trouble. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, Will, does that sound in your mind? Does that sound like something that your generation um, would hold on to? Do they? Do you think it sounds too harsh? What do you think?
1: I do not think it sounds too harsh. I would, and I know I probably sound like the old man on the porch trying to get you to get off my lawn. I do think it's something more and more people need to take in because at places I have worked and been to, I will not name places so people don't feel called out. But there are definitely a lot of people who are, although still seeking Jesus, searching that kind of Joel Olstein happiness version of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think there is truly something to be said about the people who are the most successful had to go through the most mud to get there. And I, I understand there's this whole thing in this generation where people who are successful for some reason also aren't inherently happy. At least that's how the media likes to portray it. And I think that's kind of wrong. Yes, there's a lot of struggles. And Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone gets get successful so they know it's not the be-all, end-all, and it won't solve all your problems. And I do think there's a lot of people in my generation who do not realize getting what they think will make them happy, will solve all their problems. And it really is something that Jesus can give you.
0: Yes. And there's, I'll just kind of wrap up with this great New Testament passage that is almost like a um, cookbook for mental health, like, you know, like a recipe. And it says, suffering produces character and character produces endurance, and endurance produces hope, and hope does not fail us. Or it might be suffering produces endurance. That's what it is. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not fail you. So it's the idea that living for God gives us a wisdom that just chasing after happiness or money or power or fame simply cannot give us. So we hope that this has been a helpful start to looking at Christianity and mental health. And we will be releasing these every Monday.
1: Uh, yes. The first episode is coming out June 1st. Uh, that is a Wednesday. So.
0: Okay. So we'll we'll release them every Wednesday. Yes. And um, Will is the engineer and he is the mind be- and the genius behind all the technology of this. Um, so please, again, feel free to email any questions or topics you'd like covered to...
1: Will at Providence HHI, and please look in the description for other podcasts, our social media links, and a link to our website so you can keep an eye out on all the fun events Providence has. Join us live and in person at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sundays or on our Facebook and YouTube live streams. All right, we will see you next week.